Todd's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. In John chapter 7, verse 5, we read these words regarding the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ had siblings. I realize that there are some religious traditions that say that Mary remained a virgin throughout all of her life, but the scripture won't support that. His brothers and sisters are named in Matthew chapter 13. But we read this statement with regard to his brothers and sisters in John chapter 7, verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Now these are the people that he was raised with. These are the brothers and sisters that grew up in the same house. They did not believe in him. Now, Mary and Joseph believed in him. The angel had appeared to them. Uh, she knew that she had him as a virgin. She knew he was the son of God. Joseph knew he was the son of God. And I have no doubt that they told their children who he was, but they didn't believe. Neither did his brethren believe in him. Now, some of them would one day. We know that James, the man who wrote the book of James, was the brother of the Lord. We know that Jude, the man who wrote the epistle of Jude, was the brother of the Lord. There will be some who believe one day by the saving grace of God, but right now there's not. Neither did his brethren believe in him. Now, this is amazing. His brothers and sisters witnessed a perfect life. They witnessed holiness. They witnessed perfect obedience to the law of God, and they didn't recognize it. They didn't see it. You see, a natural man doesn't really know what holiness is in the first place. They saw it and had no recognition of it. They did not believe in him. Now, somebody may ask the question, why? How could someone be raised in the same home with the Lord Jesus Christ and not believe in him? There's a very easy answer, sin. Human depravity. Sin renders a man unable to see divine things, and they could not see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's see what um, led to this statement in this passage of Scripture. In John chapter 7, verse 1, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for 
he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Uh, this uh, attempt at murder had began in John chapter 5 when he healed the paralytic man on the Sabbath day. And they were offended that he did this on the Sabbath day. They thought it was wrong and they sought to slay him. They thought he was demonstrating no respect for their religion. And this hatred has gone on. Now we read in verse 2, now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. Now this was one of three feasts in the Old Testament that the Jews were called upon to go to Jerusalem to observe. This would last eight days and it was given to commemorate the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness when they didn't have a home and they had to dwell in tents. His brethren, his brothers and sisters at this time, therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. Go up to Jerusalem. This is the place where they were seeking to kill him. Go to Jerusalem and show yourself. Do your miracles, do your works, the things you claim to be able to do. Go to Jerusalem where there'll be a lot of people. There will be a lot of fanfare. And you can show them what you're doing and you'll have more believers. You'll have more disciples. You'll have more men following you. Uh, you could do more good. You could have more influence if you went to Jerusalem to let everybody see what you are doing. Four, verse four. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Now, when they said, no man does anything in secret, wait a minute. The Lord said with regard to the Pharisees, all their works they do to be seen of men. And you'll remember in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, when you do your alms, do it in secret. Don't let anybody know about it. Let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. Do it in secret. Your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to, pee, to pray standing in the streets that they may be seen of men. When you pray, you enter your closet in secret. And then when he spoke of fasting, he said, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites who disfigure their faces so everybody can see. They must be fasting. They're doing what they're doing to be seen of men. But when, you're fast, when you fast, anoint your face and wash your face that you don't appear to men to fast. Uh, when they said, no man does anything in secret, do what you're doing openly, uh, they were dead wrong there. The Lord taught us what to do in secret. You see, all we care about is what the Lord sees. Not what men see, but what the Lord sees. Now, his brethren are exposed by the use of the word, if. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. You remember what Satan said? If you're the son of God, prove it. 
He'd heard the father speak from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he says, if you are, prove it. Command that these stones be made bread. Give us something we can see. If you're the son of God, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. The scripture says uh, he'll give his angels charge over thee, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. If you're really, really the son of God, prove it. Give us some kind of tangible, empirical evidence that we can see and prove to us that you're the son of God if you are. I think of what the Pharisees said in John chapter 8, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And here's his answer. I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Now, there are two types of people in this world. They're sheep and they're goats. He said, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. Now, a goat can never become a sheep. A sheep can never become a goat. Christ has a people called his sheep. He says, with regard to these sheep, my father, which gave them me. This is a reference to his elect. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's who he died for. The sheep, he came for his sheep. He said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who he came to save. Um, I love John's editorial comment when they said, if thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Then John tells us, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Now, perhaps they wanted him to be famous. Show yourself to the world. I, maybe thought, they thought they could get some kind of personal benefit out of that, but they did not believe in him. They demonstrated they did not know why he came in the first place. Show yourself. Seek to be known. You'll have more disciples. You'll have more converts. You'll have more influence. You'll do more good. You know, that sounds like the average church growth campaign or even how to plan a church. You know, I had an experience when we first started the Todd's Road Grace Church. We started the Todd's Road Grace Church in 1982 in a storefront on Limestone Street. And uh, a year or so later, hadn't seen much happening. And uh, I read an ad in the Lexington Herald Leader of a new reform church that was going to be started in the Lexington area. Now, all I knew of Reformed is what is known as the doctrine of grace. Uh, and it's what I believe. It's what I believe the Bible teaches. Total depravity. Men are totally depraved. God elected a people before time began to be saved. Christ died for the elect. God's grace is irresistible and invincible. It's saving. And everyone that God elected, Christ died for, and God the Holy Spirit gives life to, shall persevere all the way to the end. Now, that's all I knew of Reformed. 
And to be honest with you, now that I think I've learned a little bit more, I don't even like the term reformed. Reformed from what? Um, the truth never needed reformed. There's almost to me a, a kind of arrogance with the thought of reformed doctrine, like I've got something special. This is just the basic gospel, the truth of how God saves sinners. But after we had been meeting for about a year or so, I read about this new Reformed church that was going to be starting, and we were still on a storefront, and I thought, well, I'll go and see what it's all about. Maybe we'll just join up with them. And in that meeting, I'll never forget this, it never was told what they believed. They said, we're Reformed, and they just left it at that. And then they gave a 10-year plan as to how to make this church grow. They hired a demographer to find out where the population was moving and where they were going to build their church. They had a 10-year plan as to what, uh, how to reach families and, and how to uh, reach people with uh, child-rearing, how to, how to become friends, how to, how to grow. They had a church growth thing and in the school and so on. And I remember thinking, where's the Holy Spirit in this? Where is the leadership of the Lord in this? I just did. I, like I said, I, I was always a man without a plan. I didn't understand how somebody could just have this. That, where's God in this? And I knew at that time, I didn't want to go in that direction. Um, that's what his brethren were wanting him to do. Get to where the population is. Get to where you can have more influence, get to where you can have a greater uh, popularity and a greater presence, get to Jerusalem where everybody will see you. And John's comment about all that was, neither did his brethren believe in him. Now what his brethren demonstrated at this time was a fundamental ignorance of who he was and what he came to do. Faith is made of three things. Number one, you know who he is. You know who he is. Everybody that believes knows who he is. Everybody that believes knows he's God. He's the God-man. He's the creator. He's the sovereign controller of all things. If you know who he is, you know he's those things. If you don't know that, you don't know who he is. Faith knows who he is. Secondly, faith believes what he says. You see, if you know who he is, you will believe everything he says in his word. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant, God-breathed Word of God. Every word in the Bible is said as exactly as He would have it said. You believe what He said. Faith is knowing who He is. Faith is believing what He said. And faith is relying on Him only, what He did as your only ground of being in heaven. You rely, you rely only on what he did. You're not relying on your works, you're relying on his works. You're not relying on any payment you make, you're relying on his payment. 
Jesus paid it all, all the debt I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You are depending on his righteousness as the only righteousness you have. You're depending on his obedience. You're depending on his shed blood. Now, these people, his brothers and sisters, had no idea of who he really was. They didn't get it. They grew up with him in the same home and they didn't get it. Now, this is a reminder to us is the only way that you and I will know Jesus Christ is if he makes himself known. We are shut up to revelation. If he does not make himself known, we will not know him. His brothers and sisters, the people who he grew up with, they did not get it. They didn't know him. They just looked at him as their brother or their, their brother in the flesh. Nothing more. They demonstrated that they did not believe his words when they used this word, if. If you do these things. When they told him that he needed to show himself to the world, they demonstrated that they had no understanding of why he came in the first place. Why did he come? He didn't come to establish a new religion. He didn't come to get men's affirmation and approval. He said in John chapter 5, I receive not honor from men. The Lord doesn't need man's approval or man's affirmation. He's God. How many times when he would perform a miracle would he say to the people, that he performed the miracle upon, don't tell anybody about it. Don't let anybody know. Now, it seems like he would want people to know because he would uh, gain more uh, hearers when they all heard about his miracles. But he would always say, don't tell anybody about it. Tell no man. Now, why was that? Because Jesus Christ wasn't trying to get a following he wasn't trying to establish a religion. He wasn't trying to influence the culture. He wasn't trying to win the world. As far as that goes, he didn't come to save all the world. He said, I pray for them with regard to his elect. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are thine. Christ Jesus, now listen to me. Christ Jesus came to die. That was his purpose in coming. We read in verse 5, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come. Now this is uh, repeated frequently in the book of John. My time is not yet come early in his ministry when uh, Mary told him they don't have any wine. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. You see, there is a specific hour that he came for. 
And he said, woman, mine hour is not yet come. In this same chapter in verse 30, we read, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. The hour he came for, it was not yet come. And in John chapter 8, verse 20, These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. We have numerous murder attempts on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would pass through their midst. They wouldn't see him. All of a sudden, he would be gone. How this took place, I don't know. Maybe they could uh, not recognize him because of the uh, work of God blinding them as to who he is. But look here, even in John chapter 8, verse 59, Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. And so passed by. Now you picture this in your mind. They pick up rocks to kill him. And all of a sudden he just walks through the crowd and there's not a thing they can do. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. We read in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come. Now this was shortly before his death. And he knew this is why I came. And he says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now he's talking about the hour of his death when he would be nailed to a cross. Look in verse 27 of John chapter 12. He said, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I unto this hour. Now you'll remember in Gethsemane's garden, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this hour pass from me. He saw the cup that he was going to drink, the cup of his people's sins, when he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Now I don't, and we don't really understand the evil of sin. We have a little bit of understanding, but very little. But the Lord knew exactly how evil sin is. And he was going to take it in his own body and be forsaken by God and be separated from God and, and bear the wrath of God as the sinner substitute. And when he uh, saw this in Gethsemane's garden as a his humanity shrank from it. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In John chapter 17, verse 1, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also might glorify thee. Now, what his brethren did not know was this. He came to die. That was his purpose. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, he's called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was time, before there was 
a creation before there was a universe, Christ is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And the world, the universe was created for him to come in time and to be slain. His brethren did not know why he came. They were trying to get him to get more influence and get more notoriety and get more popularity. Go to Jerusalem where everybody can see you and prove to everybody who you are. He came for this purpose. He came to be slain. He came to die. Matthew 1.21 says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that is why he died. Now understand this. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. And he could not accept a sinner like me and violate his righteousness and his character and his justice and his holiness. What would we think of a human judge who uh, the uh, criminals brought before him that has committed all kinds of crimes and he says, well, I'm, I'm a loving judge. I'm going to forgive you. Well, we'd get rid of that judge, wouldn't we? He would not be a just judge. God is an absolutely just God. And there is no way he can accept someone who's sinful and evil and still be God. So Christ came to make a way for God to be just and yet justify sinful men and women like me and you. His brethren just didn't understand any of this. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he said, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain. And they did that, but it was according to God's determinate counsel. He came to die. You see, without his death, there could be no resurrection. If he didn't die, his life would do us no good. But when he died, he put away sins. He was raised again to save everybody he came to save. He didn't come to start a religion. He's no, uh, he, he didn't come to try to change things. He came to save his people from their sins. Now in his death, he completely glorified the character of God. Every attribute, attribute of God is manifest in his death. And he completely saved his people from their sins. Now somebody's thinking, am I one of his people? Am I one that he came to save? Well, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. If you are a sinner, he came to save you. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now one day, at least a couple of his brothers will understand and they will believe on him. May God give me and you the grace to know who he is, Trust what he said and believe on him as all that's needed to make us perfect 
in God's sight. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 